Wow. What the heck? <laughs> Unexpectedly, there's a part three to this bracket. Excuse wow. me. It's not like our show has a formula. This hasn't <laughs> happened before. Like, let's take a moment to like appreciate history. All right. This is the first okay, time we've cool. ever had three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we took a moment. Um, <laughs> I guess with that, let's let's hop right into this one. Uh, hello and welcome back. We're the Tough Cut Podcast. This is episode 20, part three of our coming of age bracket. And I'm Matthew. I'm Swoosh. <laughs> Woody Harrelson, is that you? Wait, sorry, Woody. Did, did, I'm Jake, but who, who was that? Is Woody in the podcast? I don't know if anyone else saw this going around social media, some deadline and variety articles saying that Woody Harrelson changed his name to Swoosh Harrelson. Um, it's fake, but he should do it. Swoosh. There it is. Am I right? As our podcast has been demonstrated to have quite a bit of, um, industry power. Woody, the tough cut podcast will never make another episode. <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 wait. We just got our first third episode guys. We can't do this now. We're have such steam. <laughs> we're, we've got so much momentum. Yeah. What if he like? What if he's just mad that there's no Y at the end? So what if we call him Swooshy? Do you think he'd like Swooshy that more? Swooshy Harrelson. Swooshy mm. Harrelson. Oh, because then it's like his hair is swooshy. Swooshy. Or fun. he's like really slurring. He's drunk at a sushi restaurant. You know? <laughs> sushi. <laughs> I guess it's Swooshy. That was my Woody Harrelson drunk impression. Was it good? I thought the last really episode good. was the impression episode. No, are we no, doing I, that bit again? <laughs> no, no, I would never repeat a bit. Never. Uh, <laughs> We don't have a whole episode that's dedicated to a graveyard of dead bits or anything. (laughs) Well, we haven't (laughs) talked about what on earth is coming at you in today's episode, so we should probably do that. What an energy we have going on here. What an energy we have (laughs) at four in the afternoon. If you haven't guessed by our topics of conversation, our current bracket that we're talking about is coming of age. If you got that from our topics <laughs> yeah, of conversation, I, I don't know how. You're a fucking sleuth. Um, coming of age bracket. We picked our favorite movies where young people realize what it means to be slightly older people and if it has a profound impact on their life or not. Yeah, pretty exciting. <laughs> coming yeah. up this episode, we've got Perks of Being a Wallflower versus Jojo Rabbit. And in the second half, we've got eighth grade versus Ladybird. I think I think we'll have some good convos. Oh, absolutely. I mean, spoiler warning, we will be spoiling these movies. And, you know, just in case you haven't seen these films and in case they come up with our topics, uh, you know, Perks deals with depression and suicide and very uh, intense uh, sexual situations, as well as eighth grade deals with intense sexual situations. And Jojo Rabbit deals, you know, with Nazism. So, you know. Be on the lookout for those if we're like talking about them just uh, to give y'all a heads up. So, yeah, I'm excited, mostly because, guys, I have three. All all of my movies made it to the semis. Jake, <laughs> yeah, you got a 100 percent. Well, OK, so theoretically, you could have a 100 percent perfect bracket. Two movies in the finals. Holy shit. And all three made it to the second round. That'd Don't be tell wild. Matthew that he's already spite voting in his head. Look at him. <laughs> he just got like a glaze over his eyes and he's just like, I'm going to fucking create a problem. I'm going to vote for the Godfather part two. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's my favorite coming of age movie. Yeah. And in that way, Mouse Hunt could definitely be a coming of age. Gore Verbinski just is, you know. Gore Verbinski is. And always shall be. Should we get into the conversation? I'm Probably. so excited. That Let's would make sense. It. Well, let me introduce <laughs> these movies since they're both mine, motherfuckers. Uh, yeah, for our first matchup, we got Perks of Being a Wallflower versus Jojo Rabbit. And Perks is about, you know, uh, this teen who is going through some really intense shit. He's, it's his first like year of high school. He befriends a group of seniors and, and he's, you know, on the sidelines. He doesn't think anyone notices him. He's dealing with like depressive stuff, but he finds friends and tries to figure shit out with all these people. Um, and Jojo rabbit on the other side is about a little kid and it's during Nazi Germany and his imaginary, imaginary friend is Hitler. And he can't please Hitler, so uh, he's real sad about it. And there's a Jew in his attic uh, that his mom is hiding, and he has to come to grips with that. 
I nailed uh, that. Audience, I hope you fucking seen those two movies because those were <laughs> very <laughs> spoiler heavy <laughs> descriptions of the plot. I, yeah, I was going to say they were incoherent. <laughs> So you know how JoJo did the thing, and then you know and you can't the, please Hitler. Am I right? Like that's that's where that's what these movies are about. Yeah, that was that was really good. Nothing better than that. Just guys being dudes. Just guys being dudes. <laughs> dudes being movies. guys. Hitler being upset. <laughs> anyway, does anyone else want to talk? I'm done. <laughs> oh shit! I poured tea on myself. <laughs> oh no. Justice, the gods, the gods. Guys being dudes, Hitler being upset, Matt being wet. <sighs> okay, so <laughs> let's get into actually comparing these two films. So I don't know exactly how to open this up to the floor, but I do think there is something interesting in Jojo Rabbit and its place in the bracket being like the one sort of more different setting left. Right. Because mm-hmm. everything else we have remaining are like American kids in school. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that that's kind of like a, an interesting piece for Jojo to to be holding on to. Yeah. So like, I don't know what like, is that something you guys have considered? Like what where does that piece play of like being the the most setting different than the rest? Um, and specifically uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. I mean for for you're right i was gonna actually mention like how like perks feels like a very american small town suburban like coming of age movie um you know and and this is this is a jojo's a very different thing making a coming of age movie in in nazi germany i I don't know i i think that obviously you have a filmmaker like taika who, who is a very, like, diverse person and a very, like, specific... Like, he doesn't make Americanized versions of things. Um, he tries his best to put as much culture into things. And then you have Perks that really encapsulates a lot of, like, suburban culture and, and a, a pocketed culture of people. Uh, you know, like, the... the I'm a main care. I'm a weirdo sort of a deal. Like, the Rocky Horror people or the people who do, like, the arts or, like, fucking other shit. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely points towards Jojo for making a coming of age film that a lot of people can relate to. That doesn't have to do with like dancing to come on Eileen. You know what I mean? It's a, mm-hmm. yeah, it relate to despite having a setting that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what I think what I really admire about Jojo rabbit is the way that the setting initially informs the characters and then how the setting changes as the movie goes on. The more you learn about the characters I totally thought this film was going to be at the camp. Like when I first like, yeah, that's what I thought it was all going to be about. I totally like took me under the loop. I think the fact that it is not just jokes about Nazis the whole time. And I think there is so much heart in the way that Taika portrays the destruction of this little German town. Matt, you talked about how funny you think the like, attack scene is in this movie but it also like (laughs) i feel like it brings so much character to the town in a weird kind of way all the cities destroyed all the like shepherds and the the people just like ruffling (laughs) through garbage i feel like you just see so many german people that weren't nazis but were just in the town yeah yeah which i think is such like a great distinction to see because I mean, I don't remember where this quote comes from. It's from some movie. Actually, it's from Captain. It's from the first Avenger Captain America movie where uh, uh, the Stanley doctor Tucci? is like the You're first Stanley country. Tucci. <laughs> it's Stanley Tucci. The first country the Germans and the Nazis invaded was Germany. Uh, it, it's like very cool to see the German people as like their own complex characters in this great narrative versus in perks of being a wallflower, the setting informs your like expectations of all of these high school students. But then they slowly, I think it plays into Charlie's like perspective of all these seniors. He sees them at first as like people who have everything figured out. And then you slowly over the course of the movie realize Mm -hmm. like these seniors are going off to college, but they have no more figured out about the world than Charlie does. Absolutely. I think it's done. Uh, the The setting plays such a huge role in these movies. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys like 
will agree with this, but clearly Perks is a very like personal movie to me. So I think I like project on it a lot of like my feelings, my childhood and all this stuff. But for me, both these movies feel fantastical in a way and deal with imagination in very specific ways. Um, obviously with Jojo, it's, it's obvious, like, you know, his imagination carries through with him and, and that is a driving force in how his mother like handles him and how he like handles the world and sees the world, his imaginary friend. But for Perks, it feels like, you know, those, that heavy fantastical imagery of like projecting your adolescence and being so like, this is what my idealized things are, like being like with somebody, what that means, what love means, what like. How are you defining fantastical here? Fantastical in a way where it's like there's a fantasy element to both of how they both think, but how Jojo and Charlie thinks like they live in this like fantasy that they have to kind of like come to grips and be as present as possible. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like Jojo lives in this fantasy of like Nazi Germany and like this whatever. And then Charlie lives in this fantasy of uh, what high school like should be and what he's desperately trying it to be because he really wants to hold on to something. Um, so I don't know how you guys feel. Obviously, I, I feel like with Perks, it feels more personal to me that I view it that way, because that's how I relate to that character as like projecting that fantasy of what things are supposed to be and then trying to fight so hard to be as present as possible to not escape that fantasy, but make it more realistic for your own life. So I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I definitely feel like a fantastical tone in Jojo Rabbit less from he has his imaginary friend Hitler, but I feel like it's less about imagining things in that movie and more just about the tone and the childish there's whimsy to it. Yeah. I don't know that I get that as much in, in perks. I know he has like his fantasies and he, he like imagines scenarios. The one that sticks out to me is the, like when they're playing truth or dare. Right. And he, yeah. right. But I don't know that it, it sticks out as fantastical to me, I guess in the, in well, the way it's that less of a fun fantastical. Like it's not like a, <laughs> yeah. So I think I see where you're getting at Jake, that like there is fantasy in terms of how Charlie is projecting. But I think I agree with Alex that like, I don't know if I'd ever use the word fantastical to describe perks, you right. know, which this isn't like a condemnation of perks in any way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Because I think it, it deals like it just deals with its subject matter in a very different way. Yeah. I was wondering if like if you guys would, because like I know that's like that's not a popular thing and I could totally see like not doing it. But for some reason, like that's just how like I view Charlie's character and how he deals with things. And maybe it's like a more like realistic, fantastical thing that I feel like I've had to like gauge in my life. And I just think it's like super interesting. I I think that there's there's almost this piece of because you apply so much of yourself and your own desire to be present. Right. Because I like I don't think Charlie picks that. Like, I don't know if the character Charlie has that angle for most of the film. I think he's working to get there is sort of his piece. And I think you might be retroactively applying it. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Jojo even like probably doesn't, he doesn't think it for a lot of the movie either, but like, it's a definitely a different journey. Yeah. I feel like Jojo's journey is one of escape, I guess. Uh, like a slow, gradual realization. Actually, both of these movies, I feel like deal with disillusionment. Mm-hmm. Right. I talked that. about perks earlier, but with Jojo Rabbit slowly, I guess, humanizing the the characters beyond Jojo, Sam Rockwell's character, uh, you don't get it as much with <laughs> Rebel Wilson, but um, <laughs> and I don't think I don't think you should. <laughs> as she straps a grenade to a child, to a child. You, do, you don't get yeah. much humanization of her. No. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, that's depth. That's showing there are different. <laughs> Germans who believe different things. And I I applaud Jojo Rabbit for Rebel Wilson's character. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can someone quote him on that for like forever? <laughs> hey, I have a different conversation. Yeah, let's let's hop. Let's let's hop. <laughs> How about the fact that uh both of these movies end with David Bowie's heroes? Yeah. What an interesting Isn't that fucking wild? Like, yeah soundtrack baby again perks is the blueprint i'm telling you but i also like i love i love i <laughs> hey shut up I <laughs> laugh without me no but i i think it's so wild one that i didn't even realize that i mean i picked both these movies and then i forgot that it ended in heroes and when i rewatched jojo i was just like 
the singing heroes in German. <laughs> Jake, do you have an, an important life event that goes to Heroes by David Bowie? Is there some subconscious element going on here? So I was born a coal miner's daughter. <laughs> we could be heroes. And David Bowie came down to me on a tiger riding lightning. And he told me, hey, you could be a hero. And he did it in that accent. I didn't even know David Bowie talked like that. He's like, you could be a hero. And I'm like, David, you've been faking it this whole time. He's like, yeah, fuck off. And then he fucked off. Um, oh. Yeah. Nice. And then... Um, and then he wrote Heroes after me. Don't That's check so the math cute. on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I won't. I won't look that up. Do you think there's like a version? Q of... thunder lightning sound effect. <laughs> Jake. I, if I make a film, <laughs> Jake. I'm here. It's me, David Bowie. Right. Alex, get in here. David Bowie's here. He's in the call. Alex, where are you? I think. I think he took over Jake. Alex's body. He's fucking dead, man. Alex is fucking dead. <laughs> Jake, I have something important I need to tell you. Yes, David, yes. Jake. Yeah. We could be heroes just for one day. You know. Goodbye, I, Jake. My fucking you God. Guys, what happened? I blacked out. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. It's just typical David taking when over you, my when friend's When you listen to the episode, you'll find out what happened. It'll be a surprise. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, another another comparison I want to jump into. And uh, this I, is- I actually have more to say about the uh, ending songs. So last time we uh, last time we talked about Jojo. Sorry. Last time we talked about Jojo, we kind of I just remember, Jake, you kind of wrote off the ending of like, oh, they're just dancing. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, but that's the point is oh, that they can just dance. No, I love it. I like, love it. Yeah. The mom saying the whole movie, how like you just like dancing means you're free. You just like have the chance to dance like you you can dance because you don't have to fight. You don't have to hate. Uh, even like Elsa, like they asked, like, what would you do? Like the first thing you do if you're free, she's like, I want to dance, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a, such a strong theme. Um, that's so fun, like doing like love and dance. And, and even like when they asked Jojo. It's like, you know, Scarlet Chan's like, love is the strongest thing in the world. And he's like, nah, there's metal and dynamite <laughs> and muscles. And he's so like, good. She's just like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a dumbass. Yeah. But oh, so I think the choice of song for me, for Jojo, we could be heroes just for one day and they're dancing. So like dancing, making the choice to dance makes them heroes. And that's what I like read it as. But in German. In German. Right. German heroes. Germans yeah. can be heroes. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm making, I think if I ever made a film, I'm just going to, every film I make is just going to be a different version of heroes in just another language. Like, <laughs> my, my ending's just going to be a Hebrew heroes. Like, are, are you going to set the film in, is it just going to be completely unrelated language? <laughs> unrelated. Or it's is gonna it going to be a bit. <laughs> Only for you guys and the people who ever listen to this podcast, you're going to know, like, I'm going to make movies. They're going to be like, why did, why did uh, fucking Spanish heroes like appear? It's going to be, wild. it's going to take place in feudal China. And then all of a sudden <laughs> at the end, <laughs> I'm just going to have like, and everything. I'm going to have like someone pop up an ASL interpreter, just silence for the whole credits, <laughs> just like sign heroes for the ending. That would be like, sick as hell. That'd be dope, right? That'd be, I, I don't know. That's my idea. Uh, trademark. No one fucking steal it. And then Taika Waititi's going to be my friend. And maybe Emma Watson. <laughs> I don't know where the Emma. Oh, okay. Actually, never mind. I see where yeah. the Emma Watson one comes from. Yeah. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're still right. You, you should still question my sentence. Like, you're still right. But yeah. I have another point of comparison. This will be a quick one. Um, but this is going to, I think, be like a really, you know. It's a big one. Yeah. Um, so what kind of dragons do you think <laughs> that, that Charlie and Jojo would have? Um, because I think they'd be um, pretty cool. Jojo's would look so fucking cool. Jojo's would be like shredded and huge. Jojo's dragon would be so cool. End of the movie, Jojo. Not not early Jojo. <laughs> yeah, not early. Jo- early Jojo would have a mustache. Uh, you know the one. <laughs> 
I don't know what Charlie's would be. Probably something fucking like a mixtape with really sad music. It just plays. I, I was thinking it's like a me- like a very mellow, like blue dragon that like, I don't know, like hangs out with his earbuds and lives in a cave. <laughs> hey, guys, you can meet my dragon. This is Leonardo. David, you're back. Holy shit, man. What's up? What's good? Leonardo, do you have anything you want to say to the guys? Hey guys, I'm Leonardo. <laughs> Don't do drugs. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Well, <laughs> oh no! Dang, David Bowie. I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask David Bowie where he was Wait, born, but what? I guess it's <laughs> David Bowie was here. Oh my god. Alex, your nose is bleeding. Are you okay, dude? Are you all right? Oh, no. Oh, no. I fainted the sight of blood. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So that was the end of our improv show. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Everyone loves listening to improv. I feel like I have to ask one more question, and then, you know, we may have to vote here. Uh, uh, I Yeah. This one uh, we haven't talked, this one we haven't had any real conversations, but I, I do have feel a, like I can have a real soon. conversation, but I also have like a question that I really wanted y'all's thing, and I wanted to ask you know the audience too. What would y'all's tunnel song be? You know, what's your tunnel mm. song? I recently discovered a song. You know when you like hear a song and you just feel it in your bones, and you just like can't stop listening to it. It's called "On the Road," and it's by. Kian, Kian. I don't know how to say the guy's name. It's a jam, and it gets me going. Uh, but you guys can listen to it. It absolutely slaps. I have no idea anything about the artist, so if he's super problematic, LMK. Yeah. I guess. But uh, what, what's? Yeah. <laughs> let me know if the artist is problematic. So, as topical as this is going to sound, genuinely think that the acoustics in a tunnel. This would be Chef's Kiss, Coming of Age by Blondes. Oh. Would be a fantastic tunnel song. Wow. Fantastic tunnel song. So like a really, a really sad one that's been like, like recently I felt like the main character, but like in like a, oh God. And, but like in a beautiful way is like, uh, from Bo Burnham's new special, like the, the hands, uh, hands down, like pray, like all eyes on me. All, all eyes on me. Yes. That would be a good tunnel song. Right. I don't know how that. That would find a place in the 2 a.m. playlist. Yeah, um, no, that's like a, songs, it's too late. Like, like I though. felt, because I'm, g- I'm getting off work late. Like, I'm driving home, like, in the fucking wee hours of this log thing. And I'm just like, yeah, I need catharsis. Yeah, I feel like the tunnel scene is interesting. I feel like it it has so much potential to mean so many different things, depending on the song that's played. Because if it's a sad right. song, driving slowly through the tunnel is, like, ominous. And then when you get out the other side, what does it mean when it's like a slow, sad song versus like heroes? You know, it's fun. Well, we don't have time to get into it. So should we vote? Oh, man, don't make me vote. Well, you pitched them. I sure did. I think I'm ready. This is a tough one. They're both very good movies. Someone want to go first? I can go first. I'm voting for Jojo Rabbit because I just adore this movie. I think it is wonderful. I am also voting for Jojo Rabbit. So, um, surprisingly, I'm also voting for Jojo. Um, <laughs> wow. What? It really That's crazy. Like, uh, I, again, I, I, I feel like I can be the most uh, impartial when it comes to these things, <laughs> even with personal movies on uh, our love for between our three lovely hosts. Um, yeah, Perks is like literally one of the most important films to me, but, and even if I think it's great, I, uh, I acknowledge that Jojo is such a good one. And I think your point of it being like literally not the stereotypical, like high school, like whatever, but still being such a powerful coming of age and being fun and being still like all these different layers of nuance, it's phenomenal. And I think it gets way more overall points. We will explore some more of that in the final because there, there's some, there's some bad boys to unpack that we haven't even touched on oh yeah i have so, oh, so, so much excited. more to say but please i mean i love perks of being the wallflower it, you know it's, it's a great movie it, it really is if you are ever feeling like having those like feelings whatever like talking to people and like getting through catharsis and all this stuff like watching art and like being able to experience that and also being able to talk to people please do it, it's a it's a lovely little thing and it's an important little movie that addresses a lot of hard things uh that i think you know a lot of teens go through 
But let's get to the second half, guys. Let's hop right in. Alex, you want to introduce Lady Bird first? Okay, first. <laughs> Lady Bird. <laughs> Lady Bird sounds like a burger joint. <laughs> yeah, me and the boys, we're going to swing by Lady Bird and get a couple of um, thick burgers and beers. So you, you down to swing by with us? Nah, dude, I really want to get hoagies from Lee Bird instead. I love oh, Lee. Lee Bird. Can't believe we're on the same street. <laughs> All right, thank you. So that's the end of our improv show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And with that improv interlude, I'll get into Lady Bird, released in 2018, directed by Greta Gerwig. Uh, Saoirse Ronan plays Christine Lady Bird McPherson. I said it right the first time. Go me. Oh, yeah. yeah. She is a rebellious teenager uh, who fights a lot with her mom, played by Laurie Metcalf. And she is experiencing the tumult of high school as she yearns to escape the only home she has ever known uh, and slowly comes to realize that while she wants to leave, it also is a huge part of who she is. uh, And I think that's pretty. And eighth grade about someone eighth grade, they're going into high school is fun. Thanks, Jake. You've wow. been really on the ball with your. Uh, I feel like I feel like nail on the head with that. You know, I feel like uh, I'm usually all right at these, and it's all right to not be all right at these. <laughs> it's directed by Bo Burnham, though. Uh, 2018, and we're talking about it just in time for his new special. Go watch it. I don't care. He's not paying me. This is just a plug for it. If Bo Burnham ever pays me to do anything, and he won't. Um, that'd be pretty cool. What kind of? I don't like your ominous tone with that, though. I don't like the anything. <laughs> you know? Would you do like anything? Like, have you just asked like to do anything? What's What's your line? There's definitely lines. Um, if Bo Burnham asked you to do anything, what's the limit? How far would you go with yeah. Bo Burnham? <laughs> would you commit crimes with Bo Burnham? Yes, probably. Oh, depends the crime. All though. right, CIA, we got him. No, we got him. No, 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 no. Just kidding. That was another. Hey, guys, that was the end to our third improv show. Holy shit. Uh, thank man. you so much for coming. Um, How much improv is too to much improv? You're about to find out on this episode. <laughs> <of> the- <laughs> Anyone got any comparisons about these movies? <laughs> I, I can go first yet again if you guys don't have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you go for it, Matt? Why don't you, why don't you uh, start us off? <laughs> I feel like we leave time every single time to like write down a couple of things to talk yeah. about. And you guys never fucking write it. I down. literally don't know how to compare these movies. Oh, uh, okay, cool, cool. We're, we're <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, wait, wait. I do have one thing. I have one thing that we could compare about these movies if you want me to go first. Yeah, go for it. Go for it, Alex. Both these movies got uh, big, important parent characters. Let's talk about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I think that's a really interesting topic to kind of compare, because on one side, we have Lady Bird, who we get to see two very different types of parental relationships. Obviously, her relationship with her mother is the more central of the two to her story. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we see a lot of similarities between Lady Bird's father and Kayla's dad. Yeah, Um, they are both like extraordinarily proud and loving of their children, which isn't to say that Lady Bird's mother is not just that they have a much more divisive and different relationship. And it I I, I wonder how Bo would have set the stage in a different way if he'd had a more traditional nuclear family. Right. um, Mm -hmm. With two present parents, like would he have opted to have like both parents be super supportive loving or like have this one that there's this you know more dichotomous relationship with i wonder too if the relationship would have been like okay if eighth grade wasn't eighth grade if it was a high school story going off to college you know if the the relationship would be different you know because it kind of feels to me like in lady bird her relationship with her dad is the continuation of Kayla's relationship with Kayla's relationship with Mark. Right. It's interesting. I think what I really like about lady bird, what lady birds depiction of the like loving father does is you see another perspective of the father because the, I I guess this is because lady bird is less from lady birds perspective versus eighth grade is very much from Kayla's perspective. 
<laughs> but in Ladybird, you see the dad struggling to like find a job, competing with the brother in the like same positions. You know, I think it we see very similar relationships, but very different perspectives. It's a good point, actually. Yeah, I I see these films as like very much a testament of the filmmakers, um, which if you're making coming age film, I feel like, you know, obviously has to be pointed, into, but it really pours into this for me, like because. Both these filmmakers wrote and directed it, right? Greta Gerwig wrote and directed Lady Bird, I believe. And obviously, Bo wrote and directed Eighth Grade. And I feel like it's such an interesting thing that Bo did choosing his, like, because this is, like, how he felt. Like, his surrogate for a story was a 13-year-old girl. And there's a bunch of, like, interviews that he did where it's like, it just felt right. Like, that's how, like, I, I felt. And, like, that's how, like, I feel about my alter ego. And, and and all that. But- I feel like Bo is very much in both of those characters. Like there is so much of Bo Burnham in Kayla and there's also so much of him in Mark, you know, like you right. can see there are two sides of a very similar coin where one is this like totally, I want to say self-absorbed, but that's not like the, it's not the right tone. I think just like the way that an eighth grader is like unaware of the rest of the world is like so focused on, on their world and their perspective. And then Mark as like this um, man who's unable to express the way that he like loves and cherishes his daughter. This is actually like one of the things I wanted to talk about from the perspective of Greta and Bo writing both of these films Mm -hmm. a little more roundabout way than I (laughs) <laughs> wanted to initially get at it. Oh, well then never mind. Don't talk about it yeah, then, we'll, Matthew. We'll, we'll yeah, drop the topic. This, we'll never hear honestly. about it again. <laughs> Let's talk about how <laughs> Timothy <No>. Chalamet... <laughs> Let's talk again about Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> kind of dragging with Timothy Chalamet. Call me by there. your name, guys. Let's talk about it. Something I think is really interesting is both of these films have a cast of what I believe to be like pretty well-developed characters, particularly Kayla and then probably like complex characters that have like their ups and downs feel like real people. What I think is really interesting is I think Lady Bird is much more a direct reimagining of Greta herself. Like she I mean, she was born in Sacramento. She like it is steeped in her own nostalgia of growing up, whereas there is sure it, it is the surrogacy of writing Kayla, but I do think that there there is more space for Bo to write with with Kayla's character that I just think is like a really interesting difference in how these characters are written and the perspectives that their their authors come at them from. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like super interesting just because like Bo, I mean, he made this movie as a projection of his like anxiety and like worrying about his own image and like how the world perceives him. And you either have to be this, you know, at the time, like. 25 year old male comedian or a 13 year old girl of this like uncomfy social space and how people see them and growing up in the age of like social media and anxiety. And like when he talks about like, cause he didn't make happy before this, like blending of like performer and performance, this is like w- almost what this is encapsulated in that like anxiety filled like movie. I, I do still, I, I do think Bo, Yes, like Greta Gerwig, like, yes, Sacramento, like it's more to a T, but I do think Bo in a more, almost a more fun way explores himself, um, which might be what you were getting at. Um, yeah, that that right. is what I was trying to right. get at. <laughs> yeah, the story and the setting and everything in eighth grade is more of a metaphor for Bo's experience than Lady Bird is. Sacramento is literally Sacramento. Right. I actually you you kind of talking about Sacramento made me wonder I guess what Greta Gerwig's relationship is with the tech industry in and around Sacramento. And like, if, if that was her more exploring the way that Sacramento has changed over time versus like her own experiences. Like, I wonder if, because like tech conglomerates are constantly lending towards younger people fresh out of college, you know, stuff like that. So I wonder if that was more a commentary on Sacramento or if that was about like her experience. I, I think that's very possible. I unfortunately don't know the exact time frame of when she was growing up compared to like local industry in Sacramento. But I do think it, it is very evident that like Lady Bird is a reflection of her own experience. Like she grew up oh, for the sure. daughter of a nurse, like in Sacramento, went to an all girls Catholic school. 
you know, like it, it is not necessarily meant to be a, a pure portrayal of her own experience, but it is very clearly steeped in her own nostalgia. I think a very, I guess, interesting point. We talked a little bit about this already. I think comparing parents, comparing Mark with Marion, Lady Bird's mother. Mm-hmm. I think right. the the way that the relationships exist at the end of the movies, I think is a very interesting comparison because Kayla with Mark, they reconcile, right? And he is able to kind of give her a little bit of confidence going forward into high school. But comparing that to Laurie Metcalf's character, I think it's so tragic that in Lady Bird, they don't have that reconciliation in person. Yeah. When Lady Bird's mom comes back, like drives around, does the loop and ends up back at the airport, she's already gone. You know, and I think that it's so beautiful, the tragedy of missing her. It's so good. This is a weird thing that I, okay, we may, we may, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this well, so feel free to cut this shit. Something I really actually appreciate a lot in movies, especially coming of age movies or whatever, is like them like portraying like the awkwardness of like sex and like sexual like things. And I thought the awkward, like, sex scene of, like, Lady Bird was so, like, funny to me and her be like, I lost my virginity, like, while being on top. Like, who does that? And, like, that was so funny. <laughs> but also in eighth grade, the, like, banana, like, blowjob, like, thing with and with the dad and the banana, like, that shit was so funny to me. Like, and it was so specific. I was like, man, oh, man. Or, like, kissing someone's hand and, like, do I'm like, Wow so so great and honest and like weird and yeah i just think that's such a i I do think there's the interesting piece that eighth grade also takes things a step further right onto like the other side of like that sexual situations and pressure from other people can be like a really uncomfortable and bad experience as well we are like in the car like with kayla like it's close it's like crowded it's limited cuts like you are hanging on there it's like harsh genuine like fear and gaslighting anxiety and like when that guy like moves from the front seat into the back with her ugh, god it's awful but it's like a very real thing and a very real scenario and and portraying that and all of that with the, the anxieties in that movie is just such a it's just such a like a beautiful like thing to to put it in a film that already feels like tense like it's a tense little like movie but you're right Matthew whenever like they play with the funny like banana whatever blah blah blah. but then like taking the step further to do that is like Jesus and like Lady Bird plays with it in a like more fun jovial tone but it's still like a this is a thing that happened it's like oh my fucking god like yeah ridiculous sort of a deal they handle it very differently I think I actually I really appreciate how in eighth grade after uh, they stop playing truth or dare, how he moves back into the front of the car and you like see the scene of driving home and being dropped off and her saying she's sorry. Like, yeah, awful. I feel like that is such a good addition to that whole sequence. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Like he the way Bo interweaves like the really like more intense feelings of eighth grade um, and, and just of Kayla's character is like such a hard thing to watch but such a like real thing to watch that brings back a lot of stuff that like we take for granted i mean i guess i'm speaking for myself but like i take take for granted like those like scenarios where i either blocked it out or like i grew past it so i'm like okay whatever like it's it's like an intense little thing and like to to see it on screen um to be done in such a like elegant way is like very very reassuring in a very like confrontation way which is like those brand right now so (laughs) Sure. I mean, we can I'm sure we we could talk ad nauseum about Bo Burnham and the art that he creates. And, you know, in its uh, most honest form, eighth grade is just another iteration of the art that Bo has steeped himself in. Are you fucking watching a video on your phone, Jake? That sound was that's Marina making a smoothie, I think. Oh, I thought it was like you were playing a video of someone sawing something because I saw you get on your phone. Oh, no. So I was really confused. All good. All good. All good. (laughs) I was like, why is he watching a video of someone sawing something? Yeah, dude, whatever the fuck Matthew was saying, nah, dude, saw video. I'm watching the new saw. Actually, Spiral's really good. Um, Damn, they got a guy with a table saw and like he cuts stuff with it. Yeah. (laughs) Something I want to bring up 
for all the love I have for eighth grade, and obviously this is purely anecdotal. So when the film came out, I have younger siblings that were like near ish Kayla's age. Mm -hmm. And when they saw this movie, they really didn't enjoy it Mm. with their criticism being it didn't feel like their experience at all. Obviously, it's, you know, this is the perspective of just a couple of people, because I'm sure there are lots of kids out there that felt this echoed. But it's kind of something that stuck with me of like, do I only like eighth grade because of the feelings I can project onto it versus remembering what the actual lived experiences were like for this like meta piece of how Bo is using Kayla as kind of a reflection of himself and his own anxieties. Is that what I'm more interested in or am I more interested in Kayla's experience as a character and a person? And it's something I'm like not sure how to piece apart and this is a big thing to throw yeah, no, at the I very mean, end here but like well, it's just something i it's feel like i cannot mention it's interesting because like you know if we're talking about what the best coming of age film is right i think it is important to realize and kind of like our votes like with like ladybird and like the past episode or whatever it's like there are coming of age films that resonate with more people and is that more important or yeah. is that no. like whatever <laughs> and i also like i wondered when i first saw eighth grade i was like how would i feel watching this in eighth grade you know in like actual like living in that experience and in that moment because also being in eighth grade you're probably looking at that film like i don't see myself like that or like whatever or like putting up like a my life a isn't that cringy i'm freaking <laughs> rad dude <laughs> fucking i'm getting blowjobs <laughs> left right and center <laughs> And center? That's it. All right. All right. <laughs> and left to right. I don't know. I don't know. So speaking as someone uh, who was sick as hell in, in eighth grade. Oh, yeah. Damn. Um, well, okay. So I was like, I had my troubles in eighth grade. I was a sad, lonely kid. I had friends and I like did things. But I mean, I felt sad and lonely. But my life was never as cringy as Kayla's. And so I think like for me, when I watched it, the like the discomfort for me watching this movie and like I really kind of couldn't relate to it. And so, yeah, I was like the whole time watching it, I was really pulled out of it, just feeling uncomfortable. And I like I recognize the artistry in it and the storytelling. But for me, like the discomfort of the character really made it difficult for me to relate to the story. And so I wasn't able to like project. And so like, I see the, the narrative weaving that Bo Burnham does, but I, I don't know. It's yeah. Not my, which I, I think is cup of tea. part of what my siblings were getting at is it just doesn't feel like their lived experience, which again, like that's purely anecdotal. It's one small subsect of people, but it's just something that I think about when it comes to this movie. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think of eighth grade as when I watch it just as a very specific, like even the relationship with like the father and like being like embarrassed of like certain things, but honestly, and it's a comparison we didn't talk about, but both lady bird and eighth, and uh kayla like are both embarrassed of their situations at home and they're like families right yeah Yeah. like ladybird like does this like embarrassing like you know saying she's lives in a different home and like does all these different things and kayla with the whole like drop me off like somewhere else like do that and and the same thing with ladybird like that anxiety of like being embarrassed about where you're from is such a prevalent thing in both of these movies but yeah, I mean, do you guys think that Lady Bird is more of a universal like feeling like a more of a universal like. So the more that I think about it, what comes to my mind in eighth grade is how the f- movie starts off with Kayla doing her vlog about trying to be yourself versus someone you're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she, how she spends the whole movie in a very uncomfortable way, trying to be what people want her to be instead of being herself around people. And I think the what she's doing is so incredibly relatable, but I think because she's so bad at it, it's just, <laughs> it like, it detracts from it in a way. Detracts I guess. from it. Like I'm so uncomfortable watching it mm. that I'm not able to relate to it, even though like trying to be what other people want you to be is such a relatable thing that everyone goes through. <laughs> so in a way I feel like eighth grade is more relatable because I feel like Ladybird situation is very specific and very honed in. Versus, yeah. I feel like eighth grade is you guys more aren't from Sacramento like broad and applicable. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know why that got me. That was not that funny. <laughs> Sometimes I throw in some jokes for Matthew in the podcast, guys. That was my joke a day for Matthew. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, sorry. But yeah. Alex. So I feel like the, the discomfort in eighth grade detracts from how relatable it should be in my mind. So something I think is really interesting with asking like, hey, is Lady Bird like more relatable? What have you? Um, we talked about it like of like we we mm-hmm. personally know a lot of people that relate a lot to Lady Bird. Um, but I mentioned and it was the first time I'd seen it. My very first reactions is I had like, you know, it's a very interesting film to me that I have some kind of weird feelings toward it of like, I don't relate to much of that experience. Right. I, I, I see the narrative weave that Greta is pulling through the reflection of her own self. And like, sure, there are relatable elements, but you know, it's, I think interesting that I almost, I feel like I have the the reverse experience for, yeah, but for different reasons. Like I am projecting my own bits of things onto eighth grade versus I think I'm so distant from Lady Bird and Greta Gerwig's experience that I don't find much of that relatable. But I like recognize other, you know, other people's relatability to it. Maybe because maybe the reason I relate to Lady Bird versus you, Matt, is because I was a theater kid in high school. Yeah, and you were not. I fucking bullied you, nerds. <laughs> That's a joke. I, I was don't a bully know what it says about school. me that I relate to both of these, though. Like I don't know what it means. Like I genuinely relate to. Like the Ladybird stuff, the stuff that stands out to me the most is like the talking about like costs and all that stuff and like growing up and being like kind of like embarrassed and not knowing why you're embarrassed of like, you know, all like money and like how, how like something that's literally not it's completely out of your control completely as a out child. Of control. And then eighth grade being like, you know, as she was talking about in the beginning with her like video blogs and like, you know, being, being someone who's just trying to be yourself and like do do whatever and the relationship she has with her father is is one that like is like wishful and and um i think the friendship she has especially like the nugget scene or whatever there are like things that like i stand out to me in like my childhood and um just trying to be that person but i I wonder like you guys are so opposite like for different reasons yeah on that and i'm just like yeah man i like i'm both of these i'm both of these ladies you you (laughs) You sit in this position of like you have the relatable personal experiences that Lady Bird necessitates that I don't. But and you, you're not so uncomfortable with eighth grade that you can relate to it. Yeah. yeah. Because like I know I was also a cringy motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, trust I me. I also had a YouTube channel. Like I straight up. Don't look. Don't Google <laughs> it. it. Please still, don't. Go- is it still on no, YouTube? Sh- uh, uh Is this the same one you, you sent that unlisted video to me from? Or is that a different YouTube channel? I don't remember what unlisted video I sent you. <laughs> uh, I'll was keep it? that one in the back pocket then. Yeah, you found it in teen video. Oh my god, Jake, you're so young. One of my videos has 2K, uh, and it was a cover of Julian Smith, that YouTuber. It was one of his songs he did. I did a cover of it. Wow, that's cute. Jake, you're a baby. A little beardless baby. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's a treat for the fans. Yes, please. Uh, should we vote? Yeah, I can go first. I mean, I feel the need to explain myself, but I'll do. I'll save it for the end. But I am voting for Lady Bird. I'll go next. Um, yeah, I'll hop in. I'm gonna vote for. I'm voting for eighth grade. I am also voting for uh, Lady Bird. Nice. I mean, g- good picks. I mean. <laughs> Very, very solid. Like, I'm not mad at that. I couldn't let two of Jake's picks make it to the finals. (laughs) Spite vote successful. (laughs) Um, uh, That was a joke. I voted for Lady Bird um, because I like it more. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, that's always your your criteria. That's always your criteria. And you couldn't have two little kids. You know, we have to have some like teens and then also represent different age groups, you know? So I think what it came down to for me is that fact like i think i personally relate to more in like eighth grade more and personally i think it might be a better movie <laughs> but i'm not gonna open that can of worms i mean we can in the finale well we can't because eighth grade's not in it anymore <laughs> uh, like, well if you thought that lady bird oh, is yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. yeah we'll 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 talk about it right but there is this fact that there are so many people that relate to lady Bur- ladybird in such an important way I think it would just be a disservice to like that 
category. Whereas I, you know, I can't pull apart this piece with eighth grade of like, do I just relate to it because of this meta piece or is it like actually a lived experience, you know, like not just yeah. from my own memory, but for people of the age now, like, is it just 25 year old maybe, white dudes, 30 year old, or you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I think maybe can, you having your like siblings to like really edge that out because I think I was in kind of a similar like boat as you, but for me, like I, I, rationalized it to the point where I was like, yeah, I, I think, no, I actually do. Like this does mean a lot to me and it's very specific. And if it can mean that so much to me in that specific like realm, then I'm going to go. I for guess it. that's true. <laughs> Are my personal relationship to it? Like how much I relate to it. I guess I didn't weigh that enough in part of it. No, but either one's valid, but we have a finale guys. I mean, as we said, this was such a fucking stacked bracket. If you haven't watched the, the movies in this one, go check them out. As Jake said, we have a finale. So coming at you in the finals of Coming of Age, we've got Jojo Rabbit versus Lady Bird. That's an exciting matchup. I did not expect that for the finale, honestly. Neither did I. Neither did I. <laughs> this yeah. is not these are not the movies I would have picked. And I'm very scared because I very much love both of these movies. And this is the first matchup where I truly have no idea what I'm going to vote for. Wow. And We'll also have honorable mentions. We've been canvassing and getting those. Um, so we'll be including your honorable mentions audience as well as our own with that. If you enjoy the show, you know, like subscribe to it on all your favorite podcast platforms. And who should they tell this guy this time, folks? Who should they tell this guy? Tell. <laughs> uh, did we already say to tell your mom? Was that last yeah, week? We did did we last yeah. Don't tell your fucking mom. If anything, tell her to stop listening um, and make someone else listen. Yeah, I'm tired of your mom, mom listening to the last episode, and it actually was kind of weird. I hated um, like so all the mom to stop listening. I hate mom Twitter. I'll say it right now. Look, I, hate I asked mom for Twitter. Twitter stands, and I didn't get a single mom stand. So wow, wow. <laughs> single moms in your area? <laughs> no, God, no, please. <laughs> Uh, with that, I don't know. I was hoping <laughs> someone would say something. Take cover, child. <laughs>